You are listening to The Exchange. I am your host, Dr. Lorraine. Thank you everybody for joining us again. I have my very special guest, one of my professors from Urshan Graduate School of Theology joining us today, um, Dr. Jeff Brickle. And he will be speaking to us about the subject of lament. Dr. Brickle, thank you so much for agreeing to be on the Exchange podcast. It's such an honor to have you here. Well, thank you, Dr. Lorraine. Uh, my pleasure to be joining you. Appreciate the opportunity. So one of the things that you have probably have seen uh, Dr. Brickle write is the handbook series, the Apostolic Handbook series. And Dr. Brickle, I want you to go ahead and just introduce yourself. Just please tell us that for people that don't know much about you, please tell us about your family, your ministry, where you're from, your education, and all that good stuff. Yeah, sure. So I grew up, uh, it's a long story, I'll try to make it short, but I grew up on a farm near Rochester, New York, a little mm -hmm. town called Phelps. And uh, wow, it's, it's hard to know where to begin. I, mm -hmm. uh, in To make a long story short, in 1982, I moved to Boston to mm -hmm. attend the Berklee College of Music. I'd ha I had a, an associate's degree and I had grandiose plans to become a professional studio bass player. Well, that didn't last long because uh, unbeknownst to me, I, I became involved in a Bible study there on the campus in a dorm room down the hall from mine. And in a relatively short amount of time, I, I responded to that Bible study. I was baptized in Jesus' name and received the infilling of the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. Well, God was really working on me, and I basically abandoned plans to become a professional musician, and he called me into the ministry. Mm. So I only, I lasted at Berkeley, uh, by the way, Berkeley is spelled B-E-R-K-L-E-E, -E -E, not to be confused mm. with uh, a very different place on the West Coast, right. but um, so I began to pursue ministry. I became a campus minister. I was full-time for a couple of years. I met my uh, wife-to-be in Boston. She was a student at the time at Gordon College, a Christian liberal arts school. And uh, so I had to do a complete, uh, you know, I guess, rehaul of my, my vocational plans. I took some classes at Boston University, but eventually after I was work, let's see, I worked at MIT for several years, Mass Institute of Technology. But in the early 1990s, I enrolled at Harvard Extension School and pursued a Bachelor of Liberal Arts in the field of religion. Um, so one thing led to another. I got a job working in the chemistry department at Harvard, where I worked, I think, for six years. And completed my master's degree in urban ministry from Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. Three of our four kids were born in Boston. And in 2000, I received a call from uh, brother, brother Tim Dugas, who was mm -hmm. president of Gateway College and also the founder you know, uh, of UGST, Urshan Graduate School of Theology. It was his idea 
And he, he invited my wife and I to come to St. Louis. And the rest is history. You know, I interviewed for both, uh, both boards. Uh, UGST hadn't opened its doors yet. And they made a special arrangement where I would teach full-time at Gateway for a minimum of two years before uh, moving on to the grad school. That's, which is essentially what happened. The other mm -hmm. thing was that I uh, had to work on a doctorate in order to be able to teach, you know, long-term at UGST. So I uh, was admitted to the uh, PhD program at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis and worked on my PhD. I tell people that stands for progressive hallucinatory dementia. I worked on that um, for several years, <laughs> graduating in, in 2010 uh, with my degree in biblical studies. And so I've been at Urshan Graduate School now for, I guess, 20, I don't know, 21, almost 21 years. And, and then tack on that a couple of years full-time at Gateway. I have taught occasionally I did teach occasionally at Gateway and uh, also once in a while at uh, Urshan College. So let's see, we live in St. Charles, Missouri. Uh, we have four children. Mm -hmm. Our oldest, uh, our son is married and he has two kids. So we have two grandkids and then uh, three daughters. The middle daughter is married. Uh, we still have one uh, daughter at home who's an Urshan College student. Our middle daughter graduated from Urshan College. So we're very connected to uh, the Urshan community. Uh, we're also uh, avid uh, members of the Bible quizzing community. We've been doing Bible quizzing for a gajillion years, <laughs> uh, which includes coaching and being involved in a, a variety of ways. So that pretty much uh, sums it up. I lived like 21 years in New York State, another 18 or so in uh, Boston. And uh, I think we've been here now almost 23 years. So I guess I'm getting to be an old, an old guy. <laughs> well, one of the things that I want to tell our listeners is that recently I saw this video Dr. Brickle, of you uh, still playing the guitar. Was it the car guitar or the bass? I think you did it for some sort of concert or something. So music is still something that you still do. Yeah, that's right. Um, recently, I was asked to join the brand new, brand new this semester, uh, Urshan Jazz Ensemble. Mm -hmm. It's an actual course that students can take for credit. So I play the electric bass. That's my the instrument I'm, I'm most passionate about. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so I have, uh, a, I still still love music. I've never lost my love for music. I just don't pursue it professionally, you know, like I had planned to. I used to play in a lot of bands mm -hmm. uh, before moving to Boston, uh, a lot of bands in upstate New York, but. Well, I, I love when you, uh, I think it was, New Testament class, the first class that I had with you that um, you did bring a lot of pictures about your old days as your old rocking days and, you know, what God has done and how he's changed you from being that, you know, bass player, which you still are, um, but what God did in your life. So what, 
What an amazing transformation that God did. I think I'm hearing too what you're saying about, you know, you got the Holy Ghost on a campus ministry. I'm thinking that was CMI before there was a CMI or, you know, before CMI was CMI. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, there, there was a revival that broke out there uh, at Berkeley and uh, some of the neighboring campuses. Uh, those of your listeners who might know Kathy Hernandez, mm-hmm. uh, she was in that Bible study. Uh, uh, and there were several of us musicians who got in the church and there for a while we had a band called, we called ourselves the Boston gospel brass group. I was the trombonist and we played for a few general conferences and toured around a bit. So that is very cool. Dr. Brickle. I, I'm going to be talking to Caleb Saucer soon and talking a little bit more about, uh, revivals on campus ministry so that was one thing that kind of just came into my mind so it's so glad that you mentioned that um but I want to kind of just transition into um talking about our subject today which is lament and um I know that I've heard you speak on this subject before when I was in my pastoral counseling class with Dr. Cindy Miller this is one of the sections that you came in and you taught And so I wanted you just to explain to our listeners, what is lament for those that are not really familiar with that? Yes. So, so lament is when a, a suppliant, uh, someone who's trying to petition, we'll say a higher power in our case, that would be of course the Lord, uh, someone who is going through a difficult time. It can be pain. It can be adversity, uh, grief, you know, loss, uh, whatever the case may be. And that person is uh, petitioning God for deliverance, for help, for assistance. Um, so that's the essence of it. It's, it's both that activity, but it's also uh, a so-called genre or literary type that figures very prominently in the Bible. Uh, in some pretty surprising ways, uh, you know, the, arguably the the Bible itself is writ large with this practice of lament, this expression of of uh, you know of, of the need to for, to get help from God. So when we're talking about lament, the first thing that comes to mind is the book of Lamentations. And, you know, and my next question is, um, what are the major places that we find lament in scripture? But my main thing is I think of the book of Lamentations as five chapters. Um, And so I feel like we don't hear about this very much other than just thinking about the book of Lamentations. So what, where other, what are the other major places in the Bible that we find this, this term lament? Yeah, so speaking of the Book of Lamentations, which traditionally has been thought to have been written by Jeremiah, uh, an entire book essentially dedicated to that uh, motif, you have elements of Jeremiah's Jeremiah's work as well. You know, the Book of Jeremiah have uh, expressions of lament, Uh, but probably one of the key areas would be the Psalms. Mm -hmm. And uh, in fact, it's lament is really the uh, sort of most common uh, type of psalm is the lament, uh, you know, again, which kind of surprises people. But I think, I think one of the reasons we're drawn to the lament, to the psalms as a whole, 
is because of this prevalence of, of lament, uh, which is a, a way of uh, one expressing themselves very, uh, just being very transparent and real. Uh, you know, and I, in this, you can see so many times when David and other psalmists are crying out for God's help there. So it's, it reflects a, a genuineness, an expression of faith that even in difficult times, uh, when we're facing challenges, we're facing enemies, whether those be internal, our own struggles with sin, sinful nature, or if they're external threats of some kind, uh, we can we can call upon the Lord. And so I think people really resonate with the, this, you know, genre of lament. And why is understanding lament important to believers? Well, I think it's largely because it it leads us to um, it leads us into a relationship with God that is uh, real. That is, um, it's not it's not phony. That that we have. It's a way of expressing our faith. It says, I trust God even when things are not uh, going our way. One of the, so, so let me, I'll back up just a moment, but to, just to say that lament is actually a key New Testament theme and way of expression. And what's really telling is if you, if you look at uh, Jesus's passion and uh, you know, the passion week and then the, his death on the cross, you know, his, basically his closing words are a lament. He, he, he cites the opening of a lament psalm. Uh, you know, my God, why, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22. Mm -hmm. So here we have the, the, the crucial apex of human history, Christ's death on the cross. And he, and it, and it's, and it takes the form of a lament. He's deeply grieving. He feels forsaken. And what does he do? He calls on the Lord to uh, deliver him. And it's, and it's also really interesting if you consider in his citing of, the, of Psalm 22, mm -hmm. it's not simply, you know, a copy and paste, like, but, it, but he's evoking that entire psalm. And lament psalms have a particular shape uh, to them, uh, often, you know, starting with uh, a plea, a desperate plea, Lord, I'm in, I'm in trouble, either, you know, wh whether the case be that I've, I've sinned or I'm, be I'm surrounded by ruthless enemies, traitors. But, but if you follow the shape of it, it, it moves from this, this plea to uh, it's kind of a a U-shaped to to it e ending with an expression of confidence, of renewed faith, of em empowerment, of uh, hope, and so forth. So it's interesting when you when you read that whole psalm, Psalm 22, that Jesus cites that it's it's got that shape uh, of a lament that ultimately it en it ends. Uh, in hope, it's not one of total despair or hopelessness. No, it's it's uh, it's an expectation that God uh, will come through. And um, 
I think I might be jumping ahead of myself, but I really wanted to just talk about um, what kind of has impacted me about learning about lament at UGST. And it really had to do with the transparency that um, is, is shown or is, is demonstrated during lament. And I think one of the things that I also learned from Dr. Ann Ahrens is talking about Psalms. And I remember, I can't remember which one it is, and you can probably know which one I'm talking about. And she calls it the, the bad day Psalm, just very transparent about, you know, what's going on and how they're feeling. And I feel that, um, that, just shows like when you're able to be transparent with God, then you are able to have a relationship with him that is much deeper. Would you say that that's kind of what maybe what lament teaches us or what do you feel that is the main thing that lament teaches us as Christians? No, I think you're absolutely on track. Um, without lament, it's like if everything went, you know, peachy creamy, if everything went wonderful in our lives, um, probably our, our, our relationship to God would be surface level, very superficial, but it's when we go through the, the, the hard knocks, the realities of life, the pains, the griefs, the unexpected traumas and so forth. That's where, you know, we're, wa we're walking through the real stuff of life, you know, Psalm 23, the valley of the shadow of death. And we, we come out uh, genuine. We, you know, we come out. We come out tested. Uh, how do we enter into the Christian experience? How do we follow Christ if we don't carry our cross and uh, suffer suffer pain? Pain's not a a message that uh, modern Western culture likes to hear. Right. Uh, we like, you know. Uh, people take pills and all kinds of means to try to deaden pain, but there's something about a child of God who uses the, uh, you know, I call it a, I call it a language, uh, the language of lament. It's, uh, it's it, in to be fluent in that, with that grammar and that vocabulary um, allows us to sort of enter in the, the narrative of, of scripture for us to be uh, true participants. And I mean, there's so many, I, I'm just thinking parts of the New Testament, for example, that deal with with suffering, with persecution. I mean, Gospel of Mark uh, recently taught a course on the epistles of James, Peter, and Jude. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot to say about going through trials and uh, hostility from neighbors and, and unbelieving neighbors and so forth. So it's it's part of the, you know, experience of, of, of life. I, I think of, it's almost like if, if uh, lament, you know, lament is almost like the warp uh, of the Bible and maybe rejoicing is the woof. So I feel that lament is a legitimate uh, form of worship or mm -hmm. praise. And I, I, you know, I'll be careful what I say here, but I, I know sometimes, um, you know, in worship services, there's coaching, you know, you want to make sure you, you smile and you look upbeat. And, and I, and I completely understand that we don't want to look, you know, <laughs> we don't want to look like a bunch of 
sad looking folks up there on the on the platform. But I do think that in the right, there, there's seasons of, of lament, there's mm-hmm. proper places where, whether privately or corporately, lament is extremely legitimate and very needful. And without, without it, we can uh, become, again, very perhaps phony, uh, uh, have, a, have a very surface level, superficial walk with the, with the Lord. And lament is, is a way to, um, to, to, to realistically deal with the pains of the pain of life and the suffering of life in relationship with the Lord. And the scripture that is coming to mind when you're talking is Philippians 3.10, is it 3.10 or 11 talking about, you know, that I may know him and, you know, and his suffering to be understanding about his suffering and how do we know him and right. to think that, that that's about how we know him in the fellowship of his mind, you know, and, and just thinking about, um, the way that we know him is, is through our suffering is through understanding what he went through on the cross and, and, you know, acknowledging that we are not always going to be joyful and we're not going to be always happy go lucky, but in those times that we can come to God. And I think again about the transparency of like, I think that sometimes we think, and and maybe this is kind of going into my next question about what are some of the false ideas about lament. And to me, I think that I've heard people, we want to be reverent when we come to God, but I think that being able to have a language in which we speak to God, being able to be transparent of like, God, I'm having a bad day. I'm angry. Um, I'm frustrated being able to be just very honest and open with God about our feelings instead of feeling like I, I can't tell God that I have to be very reverent and not to be not reverent, but to just right. be like, I can still be transparent because God knows where I'm at kind of thing. So what are kind of other, some of the ideas about false ideas about lament that we maybe have as believers? Well, I, I mean, I think the the basic one is, you know, if you got if you've been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, life's life's a grand party now. You know, everything's going to be going your way, and and I I mean, I could remember first first few days of after getting the Holy Ghost, I was like on cloud nine, but it didn't take long before reality set in, and mm-hmm. you know, I was beset with problems, some of which are just normal to being an adult you know, living in our world. Uh, so I think there's a misconception that, you know, uh, that thinking that lament shouldn't have a part, we, we should be constantly rejoicing. And so in, I was challenged in our, in my recent uh, graduate short-term class and teaching on James, Peter, and Jude. So Jude, something pretty astounding, he goes, you know, count it all joy when you fall into all kinds of temptations. Well, James, that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Why? If I, you know, and I think he, he's at least partially thinking of, of Job's calamities that fell, befell him uh, from all different directions. How can you possibly be joyful? I don't think he's saying just jump around and you know, be happy and put on a phony smile. Like this is wonderful. I'm going to trials. No, he's, he says, consider it. So you, you make, you make a, a decision that 
I know I, I'm not happy about what's happening, but I recognize that at the other end of this, I, my, I'm going to, if, if I stay faithful and I, I depend upon that wisdom, which descends from above, comes down, godly wisdom, I'm going to be changed uh, in a good way. I'm going to, my I'm going to develop character and virtue and so forth. And, you know, Peter says something along the same lines in first Peter addressing some of the conflict and uh, persecution his recipients are receiving. Uh, he says, Re rejoice, even though if now for a little while you're, you're going through some tough times, but again, it's the same concept that, you know, we have to be real we're not, we don't, we can't go around pretending the problems aren't there. We simply know that there's a God who walks with us through those problems and that he's allowing us uh, through those situations, whatever the cause may be. I mean, all kinds of factors can cause bad things to happen, whether it be nature or evil spirits or whatever, all kinds of things can cause those. But we have to look at the end result, that we will be transformed, better. that we will be better at the end of this fiery trial, this tunnel, than when we started. Absolutely. And I love that you mentioned that because that's such a great way to look at it of like, I'm going through a difficult time and we're not going to see that in this moment. You know, there's losses. And, and, um, and I think that that's one of the reasons why um, for me personally, I've been so drawn, as many people have, of that third chapter in Lamentations of talking about, you know, we've been through these terrible things, all these awful traumatic things going into, you know, captivity. But, you know, this I recall to my mind, you know, therefore I have hope, understanding again that if God did something before that he's able to do it again. It's like I... I still have that hope, no matter what has happened or what the situation is in this moment. Yeah, I think I think when we somehow bypass the experience, uh, bypass lament, it's like we're we're somehow forfeiting the real human experience. And I think one way this becomes a real problem is in relating to other people that we're trying to influence, maybe we're trying to witness to and to go around and just somehow pretend everything's hunky dory when in fact it's not. I mean, I, I think people are looking for something genuine and if they, if they're able to observe that, you know, we as Christians are going through difficult times, but we go through that with, with faith, trust in God, that we uh, uh, exhibit grace, that we're 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 real people. We're not just pretending to be happy or something like that. You know, right. um, we live we live post expulsion from the garden. Uh, mm -hmm. Life life can get pretty tough. We're not living in Eden right now, um, and so yeah. I again, I think. Lament is a is a a viable way to 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 sort of cope and and come out come out better in the end, you know. And I wanted to also ask when and I kind of mentioned um, just a little bit ago that you know thinking about how when we come to God we want to come to Him 
um, you know, as people think that there's a certain way that you should pray or a certain way that you should talk to God and maybe you shouldn't reveal maybe people that sometimes feel angry or upset. Um, you know, what would you tell somebody who is kind of saying like, you know, just thank you, God, you're great, you know, kind of being able to have that prayer, but they don't want to, I guess, be disrespectful or not reverent to God. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like, I don't, I don't know what a good analogy is, but, you know, a lot of, a lot of people in this world are bilingual. It's like only knowing one language when you really need two to uh, navigate, navigate your, your world, you know, you're, um, you're, you're missing out on a whole dimension of, of, of life um, by, by, by not, by not engaging in the vocabulary of lament. Yeah. And saying, you know, God, I mean, I think about uh, Martha and Mary when Lazarus died, you know, and she's telling him, if you had only been here, you had only been here, you know, the anger, the frustration that she felt, of course, her and Jesus, they were friends, you know, they, they were very much, um, you know, in relationship, and she was able to tell him, if you had just been here, you know, my brother ha wouldn't have died, and those were her honest feelings, and, you know, being able to have that kind of thing of being able to tell God, you know, this is how I feel, you know, and of course the Lord, he's, he's big enough. He has big enough shoulders. I remember somebody telling me this, God has big enough shoulders that he is able to take your frustration or your anger or whatever you're feeling. He's not going to be put off with the things that you may question him or the things that you may be upset about or, or be sad about. Yeah. And if you continue in that, in that story in John 11, uh, Jesus himself was moved with compassion. He wept. Uh, he, he was a man of sorrows acquainted with, with grief. Um, I was also, as you were talking, also thinking about Hannah in mm -hmm. the Old Testament. Uh, she was, uh, you know, basically mistreated uh, by her, uh, <laughs> husband's other woman, uh, other wife and uh, ridiculed and so forth. And she so wanted a son, she was barren. And I mean, when you look at her petition where she was so distraught, you know, uh, the high priest uh, inadvertently misjudged what she, he thought she was drunk, but she was in deep, in deep grief, you know? So, um, and I think, you know, that touches God's heart. Uh, we were made, you know, it's part of the na natural human emotions to, to feel uh, grief or anger or, you know, whatever, whatever the emotion may be. And when it's kept uh, within, uh, you know, it's the sort of the proper channels. I mean, obviously you don't go out and, <laughs> you know, act out your your anger by her by harming someone right but but you can do so within this uh framework of lament uh it's it's the proper channel to vent our our true feelings and god's not he's not gonna you know crush us or get it get angry I mean, if you look at some of the extreme forms of lament and 
in uh, the Psalms, where the psalm, psalmist is virtually yelling at God. I mean, mm -hmm. expressing anger. Why, you know, in some cases, why haven't you acted on my behalf? What's taking you so long? Or why did you allow that that to happen? And God knows our thoughts anyway, so why not? Mm -hmm you know, bring them, kind of bring them to the surface. And like, like we might do with a close friend, you know, uh, and I, I think that's a great analogy. You, you get together with your, your best friend and you can talk about anything. And I, mm -hmm. um, we have sometimes have so formalized modes of worship and modes of prayer uh, that we, <laughs> We don't allow the, the 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 realness, the genuineness. We're, we're afraid to be real with God. We feel like we have to fall into these sort of ritualistic behavior patterns. Uh, he wants us to be real. He wants us to be to take sort of take off the veil, if you will, to to be transparent and tell him what we think. Um, and a lot of it. <laughs> A lot of, if not really, probably all of the great, what we would call heroes of the Bible in one way or another, uh, engaged in the activity of lament with God. And I'm thinking that we live in a society that we have a lot of social media, a lot of people posting, and, and people don't post usually the bad things. We post the highlight reels, the good things, you know, and, and the smiles and the happy faces and the happy families. And you got the job, you went on the vacation. Yeah. And there's so much we think about comparison. Oh, well, but we don't really know what goes behind the scenes because we're not, we don't live in a society that allows us to be transparent or to be like I had a bad you know and those aren't things that we talk about and so I feel sometimes that maybe we pull that into our relationship with God or our church world or you know we've got to be like you mentioned happy all the time God you know God is so amazing and I'm just on cloud nine but you know that's not reality it can be you know you come out of a worship service and God is blessing and doing great things but I think for me it, I guess from also from a counseling perspective too, like to understand that it's okay to not be okay. And if only we could kind yeah. of wrap our minds around it, like it's okay to not be okay because he's still good. He's still God, but you know, this is life. Like you said, we, we yeah. live in a fallen world, you know, that is far, far away from Eden. And, and this is where we're at. This is, this is a human condition and, 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 and it's okay. Absolutely. Yeah, if we're honest, we're all broken people. Mm -hmm. We all need a say, desperately need a savior. Um, and sometimes I think we can go around, uh, if we're not careful, we can kind of have this, I don't know, arrive, I call it the arrival mentality where, hey, I got, I got it, uh, you know, maybe nan, any boo boo, the rest of you don't got it, but I got mm -hmm. it. And we can, it can be this almost, uh, I don't know, uh, almost uh, a sort of arrogant uh, uh, attitude about it. And just because we, you know, we embrace an element of truth, uh, we, we understand, for example, baptism in Jesus' name is the biblical formula. Uh, it's the biblical mode. Well, yeah, but it, 
it we we never we don't arrive in this life. We're still on the on a wilderness trek like the Israelites on their way to the promised land. And we desperately need God. It's not like, okay, I've got it now. Um I fo- I followed the steps of salvation and I'm I'm you know I'm coasting from here on in. No, every moment of the day we we need God. Mm-hmm. He's a whole lot bigger than us. He's a whole lot wiser than us, and uh, he he wants us to continue in a in a life of faith. And mm-hmm. uh, again, yeah, and lament lament can be so overlooked. And I've only mentioned parts of the Bible uh, where it. Uh, you know where we see expressions of it, but in one sense, when you figure about the when you think about the centrality of the Easter week, uh, uh, the sufferings Jesus went through, died for us on the cross, lament is, uh, you know, arguably uh, the it forms the shape of history, and at mm-hmm. the center we have, uh, you know, uh, Jesus who who died for for our sins. So we could say, in a, in a sense, salvation is lament, I don't know, lament shaped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I, I love that you said that. That's such a great way to think about it coming into Easter week of how it was necessary. The garden prayer, you know, the not my will, but thine be done, the suffering. That's um, lament. Yeah. It, it's so important. And, and uh, another thing that comes to mind is just thinking about you know, how he suffered so traumatically and the humiliation and, and the betrayal and all of those things that he went through thinking, again, from a counseling perspective, just wrote a, an article for um, mental health and ministry and talking about, you know, trauma and thinking about how that, you know, Christ had to do all of those things so that he could, you know, understand and shows that he understood all of our suffering and the things that we've been through, he took that with him on the cross. And you mentioned again, and I mentioned this this scripture in my article, you know, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You know, the abandonment that he felt on the cross and the pain that he felt and how important those moments were to our salvation, to our suffering, to our pain. Absolutely. And I think this topic, yeah, this topic is so closely related to to the field of counseling mm-hmm. uh, how how can we counsel people who come to us who are going through pain if we've never sort of acknowledged uh our own our own suffering our own pain our own need for god you know if we we don't want to give the false impression that well this is going to you know fix you that that somehow everything's going to be wonderful from here on out. That would be selling them a false kind of a false bill of goods or something. Uh, no, but they can, they can rely on this, this savior who's walked the road before them, a very, a very painful road uh, and emerge victorious. So mm-hmm. yeah, we can take the savior's hand and uh, be honest be be real and and express our our truth our true feelings mm-hmm. uh, and expect deliverance Ex- expect that he's going to bring us through he's going to walk with us through whatever that trial or circumstance may be 
Amen. Amen. And that's that's so important to remember that that he understands and that he he's there. He is the savior who is going to bring us through and get us through this and be our strength. And so one of my last questions, Dr. Brickle, is I wanted to ask is how can we incorporate this in our own lives and in our church services? And I know we kind of mentioned that, you know, and I think about there's a lot of maybe push sometimes to just let's dance, let's worship in a church service. And and that's part of it. I appreciate it. But what other parts of the service, like how can we make lament more of the thing in in church and and in our lives? How can we make space for that? Well, I don't, I don't think I have all the answers, but I would say that I think the, perhaps the best context would be small groups. you know, I was, uh, I, I went through the grief share uh, ministry uh, process several years back. You know, I've, I've dealt with some pretty painful lo- loss of family, uh, including both parents. Uh, my wife has lost both her parents. Um, and I went through the, the grief share uh, process. And there's something about being with uh, a group, you know, a relatively small group of people. You can develop a sense of of trust, we're, we're all going through uh, grief, and and to just share. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I I feel like there's as much uh, ministry and healing that goes on in those kinds of sessions as we might find in a a red hot Pentecostal worship service where people are running the aisles and jumping and shouting and so forth. So I'm not saying one's better than the other, or we should get rid of one or the other. I'm just saying that I think, you know, there should be some serious consideration given to how do we, your, to your question, how do we uh, I- incorporate this lament uh, into church, into the life of the church? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there may be, there, sometimes there are services where there's a, there's a spirit of lament from the Lord that comes upon people. I've seen we've all been in services where people just were weeping, you know, uh, maybe repenting, whatever the situation may be, you know, weeping at the altar. Um, yeah, not every service necessarily, it depends on what God's trying to accomplish. The move of the spirit may not be one of, you know, exuberant joy and happiness. Sometimes it can be, uh, legitimately be a a lament of some kind Mm -hmm. and again i think there's seasons uh seasons of lament it's not always appropriate um but often i think it is and i i'd love to see uh, a a sort of a revival if i I can put it this way a revival of the practice and language and use of biblical lament Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and grief share is I've heard wonderful things about that. And I know that there are several churches that are, that have used that. And and what a great way for those who are grieving to be able to say, it's okay, you know, to, to feel this way. It's okay. Um, You don't have to always be, you know, hanging from the chandeliers. And if you do that, that's great. You know, if you're worshiping God and, and stomping the carpet off, that's wonderful. But then, you know, if some people like you mentioned, they've had a traumatic loss and they're coming into a worship service and maybe they don't feel that way. You know, it just, the grief is so, 
is so overwhelming that they may not feel like they have to, you know what, I, I don't know. I don't really feel, I'm not really feeling like this because, but it doesn't mean that there's something, you know, in, in my thought, I'm thinking there's something wrong with them. It's just that this is the season that they're going through and this is a perfectly okay, you know, okay response. If if that's just, you know, if they, if they are experiencing this kind of grief and even that is kind of, Lament is worship to the Lord, can be worship to the Lord. In Absolutely. Your yeah. And I think, I think sometimes in our culture, the act of, of crying is seen as weakness. Mm -hmm. uh, it's inappropriate in a public, you know, forum or uh, venue to, to, to cry. Uh, and I know particularly, you know, men are often, there, there's this kind of stereotype that strong men don't don't cry but crying is a i think is a gift mm -hmm. uh, that god built into our our bodies our emotions tear ducts it's a it's a vent it's a vent it's a it's a way to um process and express feelings of sadness mm -hmm. you know and i and i believe as a whole that lament is is a gift it's an underutilized uh, gift, a channel, a, a, a vent, if you will, uh, for, uh, you know, expressing and, and dealing with, with stuff. Mm -hmm. Instead of doing drugs and drinking and all carousing, all the kind of stuff people do to deal with their pain, God, is, God has given us uh, the channel, the, the bona fide gift of lament as, as the means to process these feelings. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, I go, I go back to the analogy of how many of us, we get, we get real. I tell people when I hang out with my good buddy, Stefan Marlette, we, we let our hair down, mm -hmm. uh, which is a way of saying we're comfortable with each other. We don't, neither mm -hmm. of us have any hair to let down really, but, <laughs> but he and I, you know, we hang out and he's my, he's my buddy. And we, and we're just, we just, uh, we're open with each other and, and the conversation flows and I don't have to be on guard. And I think sometimes we feel like with God, we have to, we tense up, we got to be on guard be, because he's God and we're just these, you know, needy mm -hmm. people, but God wants us to, to, to freely interact, to have this exchange, uh, which can include expressions of, of emotions, deep emotions that we're feeling because we're struggling through, through, through life. And I have been studying recently, um, it, as far as like the counseling goes, of the importance of allowing ourselves to express these feelings. Because if you don't, you know, if you don't allow these feelings to flow or speak yeah. about them or cry, then you are setting yourself up for a lot of other, maybe even physical things or headaches or or other yeah. kind of things, you know, in the body keeps score, which is a book that I'm kind of in the process of reading, talking about how that, you know, the body will continue to, to hold these feelings and it, they will appear in different areas of our lives, physically, emotionally, yeah. and as Christians and people that are Holy Ghost filled, we are afforded this wonderful gift that we can bring all of our things to the Lord that we can cry, you know, even men, they can cry in the presence of the Lord and they can release all of those things to God and allow him 
to bring healing. And I, and I don't think that people kind of understand how precious that is. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a God-given outlet to relieve the pressures that build up. And I think you're exactly right. When, when we don't deal with those, the issues that we're, we're feeling inside and the, and think things we're thinking, then they build and build. And, and sometimes they, you know, you've all, we've all heard of someone who just whatever lost it. They went, they went crazy. They became violent, whatever. And people are like, well, I never, I never would have guessed that person would have done it, but it, usually those kind of things don't occur overnight. They're, right. they're, it's the, the accumulation of, of undealt with issues that build and build and build the pressure builds until finally <laughs> there's, there's some kind of explosion an emotional explosion, a health crisis or something. So, I mean, I'm, I'm thankful. We know a God who, you know, the writer to the Hebrews says he, he, he's not untouched by the feelings of our infirmity. He became one of us. He refers to us as his brothers and sisters, so to speak. And mm-hmm. uh, he, God in Christ lived through the human situation uh, for, the, for the sake, the writer says, of suffering. Mm-hmm. So we have someone who knows exactly what we're, what we're going through. Um, exactly. And again, that's one reason why I think uh, just... One more thing on the Psalms, the Psalms, uh, where, where much of the Bible is describing, uh, you know, what's happening uh, in a narrative sense, the Psalms are capturing the expression of talking to God. Much of the Bible is God talking, but mm-hmm. the Psalms are capturing the words of the psalmist in conversation with God. Uh, and so I, I feel like you know, it's important to try to have a Psalm-shaped life. It's kind of a, um, it's it's a it's sort of a template for life. If we follow through the Book of Psalms and and kind of take up its language and let it in and write the Book of Psalms on our heart, so to speak. Um, and and that's obviously what Christ did. He knew Psalms by heart. Um, in in his last dying moment on the cross praise from the book of Psalms, a mm-hmm. lament song. Mm-hmm. I never thought about that way. So thank you for that, because I'd never kind of thought you're right that, you know, that Psalms is kind of the peek into the conversations with God. It's talking to God, whereas all the other things are, you know, we're hearing from God, God is speaking, but yeah. this is kind of the peek into what are the, what is the conversation in, in a believer look like? And here we have that back and forth kind of thing of praise and, you know, let everything that has breath, praise the Lord and all these exuberant kind of things. But then we're also having these like, you know, very yeah. difficult, sad, but, but, you know, that's just, that's the human life, human yeah. experience. It's very real. Yeah. To get to Psalm 150, which we all love to quote Psalm 150, it's encouraging, it's upbeat, it's joyful. But yeah, you get you have to go through all the Psalms, all the the struggles and the challenges and the the, the walk of faith that the various psalmists had to undergo before you get to this crescendo of praise at the end of the book. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Well, Dr. Brickle, I just wanted to thank you so much for being with us today. Um, I just wanted to ask if you had just one 
last thing that you would like our listeners to know about lament? Is there any kind of thing that you just wanted to say about this subject that you're just like, I really, really want everybody to know this that maybe they hadn't considered or just kind of last, last things, last remarks? Well, uh, I would say we, you and I talked about this briefly uh, before, before the, um, our talk began, but um, my good friend, uh, Ann Ahrens, I've known her for many, many years, uh, recently published a book entitled Suffering, Soul Care and Community, The Place of Lament and Corporate Worship. And I've, uh, I, ha- I just got the book recently waiting for her to sign it, but uh, she does great work and she's very passionate about the topic of lament, um, did her doctoral studies on lament. And so I'd encourage uh, readers, you know, listeners to to pick, to pick that up. And finally, I'd also say uh, the book of Psalms, mm-hmm. uh, become a, become a, a, a devoted reader of, of the Psalms. And I believe it, it, it'll change lives. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, thank you for that, Dr. Brickle. You have just actually encouraged me to do those two things that uh, Dr. and Aaron, she did teach her worship as pastoral care class from that dissertation. So I have been saying that I'm going to get that, but I'm definitely going to grab that book. Um, but also while we were talking too, I thought, okay, I need to, I'm reading in Leviticus right now, Lord help me, um, you know, reading that, which is not always like the nicest thing. When I say nicest thing, that's not true. It's not always the easiest thing to read, but also thinking like, I need to read the Psalms again, um, you know, making a point to read that, to have more understanding of, of lament coming into um, those scriptures, thinking about that in my mind. So I appreciate my time with you. And I know that all of our listeners are going to be encouraged, enlightened by all of your wisdom. So again, thank you, Dr. Brickle. And it has been my pleasure. And thank you to all of our listeners on the exchange. God bless you all. Thank you. Thank you.